toast to the ghosts of Christmas past, first of all. Okay. To the ghosts of Christmas past. To the ghosts. I think we need a sound effect. Hang on. Let me just uh, fire up. Ho, 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 season's greetings. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Hello and welcome to Cursed Objects, a podcast about cultural history, politics, tat, and ghosts. (laughs) Welcome to this very special, spooky Christmas episode of Cursed Objects. Um, My name is, as ever, Dan Hancocks, and I'm joined, as ever, by my co-host... Dr. Kasha T, hello, happy Christmas. Have you you're not too scared already? You better be not <laughs> be scared. And, and we've got really well. As happened as last year, um, because it's our Cursed Objects Christmas party, it is essentially an office Christmas party yeah. in which we've invited all the backroom staff who help make things happen yeah. um, uh, to hang out by the photocopier with us. Uh, and those people are as follows: <laughs> our huge team. Hello, I'm Archie, <laughs> and I'm uh, a, a tiny haunted Christmas egg. <laughs> Didn't we do that last year? Yeah, we said we, we were. We I was expecting to, and that's the only notes that I have. <laughs> so you you made a note of the fact that you're a tiny Christmas egg. Well, I embellished it. I said, He's, I'm okay, Archie's <laughs> done his prep. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Podcast things to say, I am a tiny Christmas egg. Uh, Archie does our artwork when he's not being a tiny Christmas egg, and we're very grateful for that. And we're also joined by... Hello, it's me, Mr Beatnik, the spook that sat in the corner. Uh, And today I'm going to be grumpy sound engineer dad during the recording session. Um, Yeah, and I'll be reprising my role as the guy that tells stories that go nowhere on this podcast. (laughs) Who then has to make them sound better when I get the file to edit afterwards. (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, get... what's your? What was my role again? Your your sound engineer dad. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, well, I don't want to project and tell you what you need to be. I feel like I'm grumpy sound engineer dad, and I feel like you're organised mum. Yeah, organized yeah. Mom. I feel like I'm organised mum. I, I was told off before by Kasha for not putting the mince pies on a plate properly. It was it was feral. <laughs> feral behaviour. How can you fuck that up? <laughs> Yeah, it's a reasonable question. I, d- I don't know. And yeah, I found a way. Um, yeah, there's a, just to set the scene, um, we've got a plate of, of beautifully, now beautifully arranged mince pies. Stunning. For some reason, there's a packet of eggs on the table. There is. Well, I'm a tiny hunter, eh? <laughs> Archie brought some of his friends. Some of his family. Yeah. Family backup. Uh, there's some beers. There's some disarono. There's something suspicious looking that I worry Kasha's going to make us drink later. Yeah. I think that might be a callback as well, isn't it? What is it called? Uh, it's called uh, Soplita Ojech Laskove, which right, means... Right, that's what I was going to say. Hazelnut. Yeah. Ooh, lovely. <laughs> hazelnut, yeah. If, what for the if festive... You have... for the, it's a festive spirit. For the festive spirits. What happens <laughs> if you have hazelnut and amaretto? Uh, Together. Together. I don't know, we a, can a only find out. A nutty fiesta <laughs> sort of thing. Um, so, first of all, I'm just going to sort of explain why we're doing Spooky Christmas, why Spooky Christmas is a thing. Um... You will thought that spooky season was Halloween. You were wrong. Um, you were wrong, sister. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, it is the obvious spooky season. So tell season. me, Dan, what is so haunting about Christmas? <laughs> I'm really glad you asked that. Though. Thank you. Uh, because I've got some explanations written down. Um, yeah, it, it, this is something that seems to go back to kind of the pagan pre-Christian roots of the festive season, when the festive season was about festing things other than uh, Christmas. Um, so, yeah, in the in sort of pre-Christian age, there were, according to what little is known about sort of pagan fe- festivities like Yule, you know, the, this is a period of, like, darkness and rebirth. 
the nights are drawing in. The winter solstice is December the 21st, of course, which is, a, you know, something that was celebrated for long before kind of Christmas actually became uh, anything remotely resembling the celebration is today. I'm sure most people know that a lot of Christmas celebrations are very recent inventions, really post-Victorian inventions, mm. you know, like Santa Claus turning up, brandishing cans of Coca-Cola, which happens every year, right? He knocks, oh, yeah. on, knocks on the door on Christmas Eve with this coca coke no no okay um, but yeah yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of traditions the holidays are coming the holidays are coming the holidays thank you oh. there we go I was going to do the same thing. Oh, yeah. We're so in sync the in our roles, The chorus just... But, but, but I felt the shudder of PTSD go down my spine as we began chanting that. Like, yeah. we have been programmed. Yeah. Coca-Cola owns my soul. Exactly. This is, this is our Manchurian candidate moment. <laughs> we start off by singing this song and then we try and, like, murder them. Oh, my God, we've been possessed by Coca-Cola. <laughs> got the wrong concept for this podcast. Sorry, Dan. I'm no, it's quite all right. It's quite all right. But, um, but yeah, no, you. I mean, that you're summoning the sort of, you know, the, the idea idea of kind of modern Christmas with all of its sort of corporate schmaltz and expensive advert drops and you know um fairy lights and so forth there is a <laughs> well that's a good summary of Christmas but yeah there, there is another version of, of the holiday festivities right and um I think the persistent sort of success of Christmas ghost stories. I mean, a lot of it's about Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, mm -hmm. which was published in 1843. That's really the spectre that's haunting this episode, is Charles Dickens' <laughs> A Christmas Carol. <laughs> um, I'm well, I'm trying to work out... You're obviously going to give us some examples, I'm hoping. Is there any others? Of what, sorry? Christmas ghost stories. Because so that's many. the only thing I can think of, so I'm happy to be illuminated. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I was about to... I was just wondering whether I should make Cash a drink, because I'm just... OK, little, oh, no. little time out here, <laughs> okay. just to tell you that I've got some Cursed Objects keywords oh. written oh. down, and if anybody says any of them during the course oh, of this shit. episode, they're going to have to do a shot. Oh, no. Now, Cash had just about escapes, because, but she, she just sort of vaguely quoted Marx there, can't answer that, which is quite... Uh, <laughs> do, we, quite do we get to know them? Or they no, I'm just, I'm not going to tell you what they are. It's oh, just if you say them, you're going to have to do okay. a shot. And I just wanted to flag that that is going to happen, because none of you knew this. No. Um, and that Kasha came dangerously close there, in terms of like doing a really <laughs> obvious cursed objects thing, and just casually like paraphrasing Karl Marx. Um, but you get away with it, because that's not on my list. Um, I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to go off track yeah. again, but um, I just want to let the listeners know, after last year's episode, for those who haven't listened to it, by the way, you can go back and listen. Um, <laughs> we basically had to, or we decided to drink a lot of different types of booze. Mm. Um, Christmas bad booze was kind mm -hmm. of the theme of the episode. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, no one knows this apart from the people sat around the table, but I woke up the day after with my eye completely <laughs> yeah, swollen. I forgot about this. Oh, and right. we still don't know what did this, <laughs> but we think maybe it might have been. My personal theory was it was that lilac ginger, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that lilac gin we were drinking. Yeah, that was like bad. It was full of the one It wasn't the WKD. And by it's the way, if anyone flowers. from Lidl is listening, <laughs> I'm not making any insinuation there's something wrong with your product, by the way. It, it's probably me. You, um, didn't, you didn't say that it was Lidl either before. Oh, that's so okay. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, who cares who made it? I have no idea. Um, but yeah, so, so basically, a very long way of saying, just as long as that doesn't happen this year, um, it'll be fine. Well, it okay. might well do. Yeah. Because um, we've got, well, I don't know what we've got. I know what I've got, and that might give you a reaction. <laughs> what, what, a, what a haunting threat now from Archie Bashford, uh, appropriately enough. Can I just um, say, to come back to your question about other ghost stories, yes. we actually, on our Patreon, for our Patreon subscribers, did a ghost story, ah. an extra special little Christmas bonus in for people's Christmas stockings yeah. um, that is coming out. A little bit after this episode on the on the Patreon, it's called the Mezzotint. It is a very famous M. R. James Christmas ghost story. M. R. James was a, um, a an author who is renowned just for doing Christmas ghost stories, pretty much, or doing ghost stories that are traditionally read at Christmas, even if they haven't actually got any specific Christmas content. Yeah, and this so, this version is great because oh, you get so to good. hear all of my really, really good accents. Because Cash, oh. Cash did all the voices. I did the narration, Cash did the voices. But yeah, if you want to hear a classic Christmas ghost story as a bit of related bonus synergistic uh, content. Yeah, I must I must join an Amdram society yeah. soon. <laughs> I just want to say as well, when I 
use the word synergistic, I'm mean, just, I, just yeah, I was I'm surprised supposed you to be taking a shot. Yeah, I yeah. really, I really, <laughs> I really ought to. I was that, that was a. I was using that it's because okay, it's a don't. horrible word. It's a horrible word. It's okay. Um, it's the Christmas episode. No one's judging. You know, it's, only, <laughs> it's going to get worse from here. Dan. It really it's will. It's going to get worse. I actually <laughs> rented a photocopier, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is haunted. I don't know um, what that means. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> you know, Christmas parties, photocopiers. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 Snog you can snogging photo, on you can, the photocopier. Yeah, photocopy your bum. Exactly. <laughs> those, are, those are the, the... The point is, and I think that's a beautiful, beautiful illustration of it, Kasia, is that we invent new traditions for Christmas all oh. the time, you know? And, and uh, for some reason, the late 20th century invented photocopying your bum. Um, because, you know, it adapts to the technology of the time. In the Victorian era, he says, dragging the conversation back to the point he's making 10 also minutes really ago. Also really glad that we're doing the history first. Yeah, 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 yeah. That Get it out that of the way. In the Victorian era, Christmas ghost stories thrived, and there's you know a bunch of different theories as to why this was. Um, you have an increasingly urban living population; people have moved to the cities because of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, you have an increasingly literate population. Mm. Uh, Universal Education Act of 1870 makes a big, a big sort of you know a big sort of uh, vaulting leap forward mm. for the kind of general population being able to read. But people were becoming, you know, it was becoming more and more common for people to be able to read during the 19th century and because of the availability of cheap print you had like a number of periodicals that you didn't have to be a member of the bourgeoisie and live a life of leisure yeah. in order to spend your time reading and ghost stories were very popular, they were very popular at this time of year for those same reasons of it's a you know a season of darkness and change of death and rebirth mm. and sort of reflection on the year past and lessons that might be learned, which is basically the um, you know that's the the story of a Christmas Carol, isn't yeah. it? Which you know um, we're all familiar with from the Muppet version and the Simpsons version, exactly. which are the two the two most important ones. <laughs> Apparently, Charles Dickens also he did a version too no, uh, in the eighteen forties. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's you know. Perhaps like this reaching back into like a pagan kind of version of Christmas mm. with its ghosts, with its ghouls, with its sort of, uh, you know, stories of the unexplained is about trying to sort of retain some of the enchantment that people had in the pre-industrial uh, era mm. um, during a period in which they all lived in cities, in slums, in, you know, very packed conditions and wanted a bit of that magic back yeah. perhaps and a bit of that um, so something that, you know, went beyond the sort of discipline sort mm -hmm. of life of, of working in factories. It. Yeah, yeah. I buy it. I'd yeah, because yeah. even even though they're scary, they're obviously like magical in their way, yeah, right? And, exactly. and one of the only things I know about this, mediums, so like yeah. people who could like connect with the dead, really boomed around the First World War. There was like a really mm. big cultural thing about it because so many people were dying during yeah. that time mm. that there was like a real, I don't know, like a, a growth in the kind of like ghost stories, in, in ghosts, in the spectral, mm. in Ouija boards, in mediums, etc. World War II as well. Yeah. There were, there were people... Makes sense. People who wore... What's Archie doing? Who were the mediums? <laughs> Archie's doing something with the eggs, which will, which will narrate in due course. But if you can hear a sort of Saturday kitchen type noises... <laughs> That's because that's exactly what's happening. Oh, that was a satisfying noise. He just did a one-handed egg crack as well, which is something, something that's particularly impressive. I wish I could do a one-handed egg crack like that. It's really impressive. Jesus Christ, Archie. Yeah, the temperature in this room has gone up like three degrees. It is just sexy watching someone crack. Um, so, yeah, I think... The persistent sort of appeal of ghost stories, Christmas ghost stories in the modern age, like as in now, not the 19th century, is that, you know, we, we've got this version of Christmas where we all fucking love science these days mm. and we don't believe in ghosts. I and, Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's all about Mariah Carey and Harrods and yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, or Hamleys. I don't know, whatever the places are that have the Christmas windows. But we still want a little bit of enchantment and it's mm. why I really like going to, you know, a kind of oak-panelled dark pub which is candle-lit. And uh, there's sawdust on the floor, and it's sort of, you know, it just it's like ASMR. Dan. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Pre again, the temperature in this very cold room is going up by like a couple of Dan, degrees. I, Dan, I don't know how to say this, but tell me more about <laughs> tell me more about the pub. And um, should okay. we explain what Archie's doing? No. No. Okay. No, let's carry on. All right. Let's carry on. So that's that's a little introduction. 
as to why the solstice, the winter solstice, is a time for these sorts of yeah. uh, pagan hauntings and spookiness. And we're going to be talking about a little bit about um, kind of spooky Christmas ideas. Yeah. Um, Kasha, maybe you want to sort of tell us a little bit about where we are recording and what is spooky about that. Yeah, so we always record in basically my bedroom. <laughs> this is the uh, absolute top podcaster set <laughs> that you get with Cursed Objects. It is. Um, and yeah, so we usually record in my bedroom. And the house that I live in is my grandmother's house. Actually, it was Archie that suggested this because Archie was like, the house is like a third character in a way in your yeah. po- in the podcast. No, that's so true. Because we mention it so often, but we don't really... My, it's my grandmother's house and not much has changed since since she lived here so like we've changed the space in the sense that like you know like i have like a cooker that works but like still if you go into like the main bit of the house like the walls are still the same color like in the living room the walls were like painted once magnolia but they have been tarred by cigarette smoke over (laughs) over the years since the 1970s or whenever it was last redecorated that's kind of a bit like a spectral presence it is a spectral presence like in a way like i feel like living here like i live not with my grandmother but like her feeling (laughs) her presence I wanted to do a soundboard as well. Do you have a harp? <laughs> I feel like her her presence is really strong. <laughs> Mainly because we haven't changed a lot of the stuff. So yeah, walls walls that were magnolia are. Can I just? Can I just? <laughs> There's like lots of religious iconography everywhere. There's yeah. lots of mid-century furniture. There's it's, lots it's of a lot like of darkness. A lot of darkness. So there's like there's everything. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the soundscape. <laughs> there's a lot of dark carpets. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of dark curtains. Yeah. There's a lot of low lighting. There's a yeah. lot of dark wood. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Dark wood. Very dark. dark. Wood. That's what I think. And when you come into the hall, you know, it's the lobby's big. It feels almost like you've come into a um, like a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. But like a haunted. But also like, yes, but like it's falling to bits. You know, yeah, it's like yeah, a kind yeah. of hotel that's well past its heyday. Like a B and B, a really charming, nice B and B, but like a quite scary one as well. Yeah. Like you walk in and like the hallway. I, I don't know whether it was because we were really drunk, but I had some people back and they were like, is is the hallway wonky? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, could possibly yeah, quite be, possible. quite wow. possibly. Yeah. It looks like it's a little off centre. Yeah. Um, but maybe haunted... we were a little off centre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a haunted vibe as well, for very, sure. Very... I, w- I watched a, the adaptation of a different Mr. James ghost story that the BBC did recently. Um, well, sorry, they did it in 2010, but I watched it last week. Um, it's a story called A Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad. And it's another of M.R. James's most famous ones. It's about a whistle, it's about a cursed object, like a lot of ghost stories are about cursed objects. They yeah. are li- literally cursed objects. Um, but that involved John Hurt, um, amazing performer. Amazing. It's so worth watching this if you can track it down. Uh, I think we found it on, on Britbox or something, whatever the hell that is. And, it's um, a great jo- name, that. I love the name of it. Britbox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, really, I really love Saturday Kitchen, can I just say? And it really does feel like you're emulating Saturday Kitchen with every, every whisk of that He now egg. seems to be whisking the egg whites. That is yeah. furiously, furiously whisking Well, you have to, and I'm a bit worried that this is actually a bridge too far when it comes yeah, to yeah. recording. Because it's... <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. I'll stand in the corner and whisk. <laughs> <laughs> Archie stood in the corner. Archie's now a spectral presence <laughs> himself. Really He's like is. a child that has been told that he has to go and whisk his eggs in the in corner. The co- it's like the weirdest remake of, of Blair Witch Project <laughs> I have ever seen. You know, you, know, you know, Blair Witch Project is such a, uh, a disappointing movie. Sorry if anyone who's listening loves Blair Witch no, Project. No, it is disappointing. It is disappointing. Oh. So all you get is that there's a bloke stood in the corner at the very end, and that's the reveal. So to bring us back to Cursed Objects, and actually to the hallway of the house, before we started the recording, I said to you all, have a look at this thing that is hung up in the hallway. Would one of you like to describe what I was telling you to look at? I thought it was, um, I don't know if anyone else agrees with me. I think it was, because it's a difficult one here, Kasia. I thought it was a map of the British Isles. (laughs) (laughs) Am I right? 
you are, are you are partially right, right. Yeah. yeah, you're on the right lines. I'm so and glad you've you unlocked the bonus it. round. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to assume that the lifeboat thing is relevant. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm going to also assume, yeah, they had O N whatever it's called. Yeah, R N L I. R N L I. Yeah. And I'm going to also assume, because of the nature of the episode, yeah. that people dying at sea. There is a theme. Might be... Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> okay. All right. So oh. this is one of the weird things about living in a house that is not your house, right? That has been lived in by many people previously, and and it's been in the family for a really long time. After well, since my grandmother came over after the Second World War, basically. So you end up accruing a lot of different things, a lot of different objects that contain loads of really complex stories, kind of partially right. One of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, mm -hmm. why we do this podcast. So it's a poster that's framed in my hallway, has been there ever since I have been alive. I've remembered it being there. And I didn't know who, I, I, I just thought it was a, a poster of the British Isles, something RNLI related, didn't really know why. And um, then it kind of emerged, so kind of like through family folklore, was like there used to be this guy that lived here as a lodger. And he lived in one of the rooms. And uh, this is when my mum was away at school and stuff. And he lived in one of the rooms. And then he went away and never came back. And the story that we were all told was that, oh, yeah, do you remember the lodger that never paid his last month's rent? And he worked for the RNLI. And I think he might have disappeared, might have died at sea. I think one of the things that's really strange about living in, like, living around something like that, right, mm. is that it's like a crazy story that's contained in this object that I have absolutely no control yeah. over. And in a way, Living, living in a place that's like so steeped in history, like family history, I kind of feel like I live with these ghosts, but they're not like bad ghosts. They're not like evil ghosts. <laughs> they're like happy little ghosts, I think. But they're everywhere. They're in every single object that's here, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. You, I mean, have you ever tried to look that up, though? You could find out his name, couldn't you? Yeah. I kind of like, I prefer it as a story that's a bit in the distance. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you the actually don't want to know the details. I don't know. If, we, I don't know how much I want to know about it. The house that's that I true. grew up in had a painting in the, that was hanging in the kitchen wall by a, by a child. Um, oh, dear. Who was not part of the family. Oh, and it had been hanging... <laughs> yeah, exactly, Nick. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and it was a painting of like a dinosaur that was done for um, the uh, Natural History Museum, I think, like for a competition. And the kids was like seven years old. Because it said, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it was, I think it was a, comp a kid's like painting yeah. competition, but he like won third prize or something. So it was, it was framed and um, signed Felix Villardi. I still know his name. It's weird, that yeah, name is yeah. implied. Age seven and a half. Um, and that was hanging in my parents' kitchen for my entire life mm. until they moved house after 44 years living there, I think mm. it was, um, a year or so ago. And I don't know what happened to that painting, but, like, they always kept it because they were just like, oh, it's kind of cute and it's part of the house. But it's the same it's the same idea in a way that, like, yeah, there were, there were people in this house before you and mm. they have their own stories. My sister, I don't know why she did, what sort of possessed her, but she decided to Google him once and found the adult Felix Villardi on Facebook wow. and contacted him and said this painting has been a constant presence in mine and my brother's and indeed my parents lives for 40 years god um, wow and he was he got back to her he's like an executive somewhere he's <laughs> like <laughs> nearing retirement or whatever uh, but he painted it at some point in the 70s and was like that's so cute and like, yeah, I that's think she so sent nice. a photo of it to him. I mean, that's actually quite a nice story. That's a really end, nice but ending, like, yeah. But yeah, we didn't discover that he'd, like, been eaten by a dinosaur well, or it, something. Like, this was his, like, he was trapped inside the painting somehow <laughs> or whatever. Because, like, the literary ghost <laughs> is one that, like, comes back and teaches you a lesson, right? right. And I think it's... So have, have you learned anything about lifeboats? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it is really interesting because, like, because it's still her house and she still lives on in the house and we live with her in that sense, yeah. like, I, we, we don't change anything. Mm. <laughs> so, like no, we still got so all her true. stuff here in and around the house all of the like religious iconography the lifeboats and the, I mean, she the lives decor, on through those things so no you're yeah. absolutely right like when I you know I was showing but I was showing Nick the, the sort of living room diner bit and um, saying yeah this is, is so reminiscent of like the 
kind of front room of like a great aunt that I used to visit when I was seven mm. years old, who's also like was from Central Europe, but rather mm. than Eastern Europe, but not far away as the crow flies. The decor is just not something that you know. It's like being in nineteen seventies uh, Poland. It's yeah, just like, right, exactly. Yeah. Like, and with the walls and everything. No one, no one would start like, like no one would move into a brand new like new build flat and decorate it like this no. which is that's, but it's not a part it's, it's beautiful but like it's, it's like I love that you're like it's not a part it's not a part it's genuinely, genuinely, genuinely paint beautiful. the fucking walls Kasha no no no, no <laughs> don't don't absolutely would try, don't. wouldn't they they'd try they'd try but, but you can't somewhere like that yeah. the room you can feel that it's built yeah. up over time it's very different it's, it's really interesting because like me and Dan were joking, well, we were joking, like, oh, we're going to do hauntology? <laughs> we're going to do it? <coughs> so, like, hauntology as an idea is, like, a, it comes from a philosopher, Jacques Derrida, who, um, he wrote about the spectres of Marx, and it's quite a, like, dense... It's not really about ghosts coming back, but it's about, like, a nostalgic past and also the, like, potential futures that you have lost. I thought it was... I'm Sorry, I'm really confused. I thought haunt hauntology was how dubstep was made. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> no, hauntology. <laughs> and then... And you think about it a bit and then dubstep comes yeah. up. Yeah. The thing is, the thing is, Nick... Hauntology can be whatever you want it to be. Okay. Yeah. That's my Christmas. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's also, it's actually also a really interesting like art movement that was based around like nostalgia in the 1970s. So like, uh, like beyond Derrida, it's like this idea that like, like, like loads of artists, musicians as well came together because they were like, oh, in the 1970s, we were promised a particular future, like fucking mm. monorails and like it was all going to be like hoverboards monorails. and we're all going to live in like like domes. And none of that happened. So there's this idea of like a lost future. It's about that lost is, futures. It's about lost futures. And, and I'm, up I'm just so disappointed because I was taught that basically burial went into McDonald's. <laughs> he he, he, he got did. got a happy meal and then he was feeling a bit sad and then he invented hauntology. And that's how dubstep Can I yeah, just interrupt yeah. to say I'm really annoyed here because both Kasha and Nick have used like pretty much every word that's adjacent <laughs> oh, to the no. words on my list. Oh. But none of them have actually said any the words on my list. So none of you have to drink a shot yet. Oh, yes. yeah, you're getting so close to them. Apparently, um, by the way, there's also a hauntology music genre. Yes, yes. Well, so mm. I, I have a question for Nick about this. So, like, oh, I, no. I, I, oh, I, no. I challenged Kasha beforehand to just be like, can you, you know, say a bit about hauntology? Maybe I'll make. I quite like the idea of making her do it while while doing shots, but I like a drunk history thing. But actually, do you know what? It's Sunday afternoon. We're we're, we're being relatively chill. Um, but yeah, um, hauntology was kind of very much of interest. To I can't believe I'm going to do this to Mark Fisher. Drink. I now have to drink because he was oh. on my list. I was, I was so, I was so, so close. I know so you close as well. You both <laughs> were. I think I'll do. Can I do a shot of Disarono? But R.I.P. Mark Fisher. The man. The man was interested in and very um, wrote some very kind of interesting, sophisticated critiques of and thoughts about ontology. Was really interested in those lost futures that were promised in kind of mass culture in the 1970s in TV in like some really excellent weird and eerie weird with a Y probably for some mm. reason weird and eerie sort of uh, uh, TV mainstream TV shows you know Mark, Mark and others you know wrote a lot of blog posts in the 2000s um, there's a lot of stuff in the Wire magazine as well I think about this about the lost the thrills the forgotten thrills the overlooked thrills of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop which is a big part oh. of it I basically, could you explain what the BBC Radiophonic Workshop yeah. is? It's a big part of hauntology. It's a big part of this kind of sound of of a of a future that we once had that never happened. Absolutely happy to explain. So, I mean, look, I think the the main thing that anyone of any kind of interest in music would be interested in is that, and some people around the table might know this already, but there is a crucial female electronic pioneer at the heart of the BBC Radiophonic oh. Workshop which is underappreciated because of how male-dominated, um, you know, techno or electronic music or whatever mm. is. Um, and that is Delia Derbyshire, yeah. whose name you may have heard. And Delia infamously um, composed the music for Doctor Who and things of this nature mm. and a lot of the foley sound effects of right. which we are hearing periodically throughout the show right yeah. now. Yeah. Which actually, funnily enough, is from um, the BBC Record and Tapes, Spooky Sounds for Horror, Volume 15. Amazing. Um, so we're actually, <laughs> so those noises that you've been playing throughout are actually from this same period. Correct. So this whole haunted episode 
So many goddamn times. Has been, has been, yeah, this episode has been haunted by hauntology. Correct. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Layers upon layers, man. I mean, it's almost like, you know, we've, this, is, this isn't an improvisation. You know? <laughs> it's almost like it's being guided by an unseen hand. Um, but the BBC was like, the reason... Suddenly we get out the Ouija board. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, bring back a down. devil. So it's like, but it's like BBC sound effects, right? That we yeah. Use, you know. uh, so going back to Delia very briefly, and it actually kind of intersects a bit with some of the noises Archie was making earlier with his his pan and, and beating yeah. sound and things like that. Delia's methodology for composition in a time before synthesizers mm. was drawn from the influences of people like Pierre Schaeffer and Pierre Henri, who were doing, quote unquote, music concrete. And if you don't know what that is, find something and hit it with a stick, record it into a tape recorder, <laughs> and then physically speed up and slow down, play backwards, etc., mm. to produce, to alter the sound, the character of the sound. And you've done some music concrete, if you do that. Well, not on the level of what she did. That was um, just a very good French response. You just did there, you were like, ugh. Bon, je sais pas. I'm not gonna lie, I have all of the, uh, the Pierre Henri um, records where he did this, but um, Delia was fascinating in that she had certain pots and pans that she particularly liked striking to get certain types of resonances. And interestingly, when she, when the synthesizers were then invented later on, mm. which is much, much later, I mean, talking 60s with her, right? And she was doing everything using this method. Um, she was actually a bit upset that synthesizers were invented because oh. she thought it, she made it, it made it all rather too easy. Oh, interesting. And she just didn't really like the process and she never really adopted and moved with the times. Um, so yeah. But it's the sound of the, yeah, it's the sound of the 70s in quite a particular way, like a moment before sort of computers and indeed synths as if we can group them together. Correct. And like, sort of join, you know, changed, like launched us into a new version of modernity, mm. almost. So like the 70s feel like a different place. But you see, you know, you know, like noises like this that we're listening to would have been particularly useful. <laughs> sorry. In, you know, <laughs> like, do, do that one again. <laughs> really Does anyone know about Foley and radio plays? Yeah. 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 I do, exactly. Yeah. Well. So, so yeah. a lot in a lot of cases, um, you know, the early radio plays, and this is also part of the same cultural history that we're mm. talking about with Radiophonic Workshop and Music Concrete. You know, radio plays as they were performed. People would have, you know, the, the clink of glasses, mm. the shuffle. Coconuts, yeah, like it exactly. was like a horse galloping. Or that's something. that's exactly. what Foley means, right? Yeah. Foley was a person, I think, possibly. I've never understood that. Well, it must have been, no? But anyway, it's, it's, it's the thing of, yeah, like, you know, hitting an aubergine against Cra the kitchen counter them, to, to when you're doing a Slicing punch. and cracking mm. melons. Yeah. That's some gory but, stuff. Yeah. Cracking yeah. melons sounds like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> 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 like that. Wait, wait, what's what's that used for? Cracking melons? I thought it was like for a like a blood and gutsy. No, no, more. Yeah, exactly. I think and, I saw uh, Vic and Bob do this once because they were very into slapstick. Yeah. And they did a there was a one-off show on the BBC in like the when I was a teenager where they they were basically like, we're gonna take you through all the things that we use as Foley in type instrumentation. It was just them with like a bunch of vegetables in a kitchen, basically being like is this good for a punch? You know, fuck, boing, boing, no, like, and trying out various different How objects. fun, though, right? Yeah. Like, just such an experimental yeah. way to engage with, like... Very organic. Yeah, we're very organic. Depending <laughs> where the vegetables are grown. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I think, you know, the... There's something about, I can see, like, I didn't know about this thing with work, the Radiophonic Workshop and Hortology, but there's something kind of quite odd and creepy and... You know, I mean, maybe I'll uh, intersect a little snippet of some beautiful Delia Derbyshire composition mm. here so that people can hear what I'm talking about. Mm. There's something, you know, there's one, uh, I can't remember the exact title, but it's like Arabic Sands or something. She does this beautiful kind of composition, which clearly is just whistling pots and pans and yeah. sticks, mm. but which makes you imagine kind of like a desert mirage. So evocative, and yeah. it's you know I don't know if anyone is familiar with 
jumping forward many, many years, but um, like one on Trick's Point Never when he invented um, Vaporwave. Yeah. And he had this <laughs> yeah. character called Chuck Person and he had okay. a tape called Echo Jams Volume 1. And he just took a bunch of things like... Um, <laughs> he invented Apple. somebody called Chuck Person. This was his Vaporwave <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's he, so much better than like Joe Blog. Yeah, he literally... <laughs> the concept of that project was that he took stuff like... Um, you know, uh, Africa Toto, and he took one loop and slowed it down, so he's just singing Africa, Africa, over and over wow. again. But there's something incredibly That's captivating great. about that as well, and it's almost like, even though the two are completely distinct and from completely opposite eras, mm. they haunt you. They, the yeah. idea of Vaporwave is that it's like, you know sometimes when you're trying to go to sleep and you have that loop running around your head, mm. and it's just like, sometimes it rains down in Africa, sometimes it rains down in Africa. <laughs> The concept of Vaporwave is take that loop out of your head and then embed it and and then just drive it home and slow it down. Wow. So it's kind of like this memory of this like waking dream, you know. Do you um, think this is all? Do you think it's fair to say that like so if the Victorian era is an era when ghost stories thrive like never before and popular in a sort of new mass popular culture through period, you know magazines and stuff, uh, cheap pulp fiction. Is this the sort of, is hauntology and this sort of stuff, this is the ghost of the machine, this is how like we've adapted to an era where we have machines and technology uh, around us all the time and the fact that we don't quite trust it and that they, they're, they're, I mean, there are things... Maybe, a lot to do with old technology as well though, isn't it? Windows 98, in yeah. my mind, features heavily in a lot of way <laughs> for some reason. Well, oh, sorry, I, I, I can now use um, something that Archie taught me in the pub before the podcast. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, you mean the long 90s, Archie? Take uh, a shot, surely. Yeah. yeah, I didn't write that down, but yeah, you've got to have a drink for the long 90s. Right, okay. yeah, yeah. It's, time for me, it's time for me to open the first mystery booze from last year and have to have a shot of it. Oh, my yeah. God. Also, can I, I'm like, I'll, I'll show you mine if you show me. <laughs> <laughs> Not till after dinner, Mum. I think, uh, I think I also had... I think I also took uh, some booze home from last year's Christmas party. If you haven't listened to last year's Christmas party episode, uh, we, oh god! Uh, oh no! We oh, really, we can really you, found some incredibly yeah, you cursed, can sniff it. Oh. cursed booze. I'm gonna. Oh no! Christmas I... booze specifically. It smells mint pie from me. It looks like a mint pie stout. Oh, you wanna? It smells quite nice actually. Oh yeah. In a, in a, in a kind of revolting way, but uh, I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> What do you reckon? Oh, no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I feel my eyes swelling up already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, and we're on to the next one. Yeah, everyone say uh, I'm say getting, cheers. like, I'm getting chocolate, chocolate porter vibes. Okay. I feel like this is going to be the cut-off point where everything before this has been quite normal and tame and then all of these E-numbers from these horrible drinks, it's all just going to fall off. I think E-numbers themselves are haunted. What, what might, is it yeah. then? It puts out our misery. Um, I think I'd like to hear some guesses. Okay. Um, it was purportedly, I don't know about anyone else, I just feel like I'm drinking shit Guinness, first of all, mm. or I'm feeling that I've gone to like a Jamaican sound system party and I've bought export Guinness but something's gone wrong with it. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit odd. Export Guinness is nice. It's Export Guinness is really nice. Yeah, it's it's like, it's trying to be that, but it's not there. Um, so have I, I think it's good. It's it, brew dog. Have, it's a is it brew... Christmas related? Oh. Yeah, I think mince pie. Brew dog chocolate gatto porter. Yeah. For punks. Man. Daniel, you win. It's the brew dog layer cake, what we mentioned in last year's episode, but never got around to drinking it because no one could face it. Layer Yay. cake, so it's marshmallow and chocolate. You go chocolate. to a Sainsbury's yeah. now, they will have 73 different types of brew dog, like... It's fucking depressing. Be, all it's of which awful, will be it? equally bad, but it's in a different way. I don't know I said that. Well, okay, well, I've got another really terrible one saved up for you. <laughs> so, um, Does anyone want any Bucks Fizz? Can I say something? I really feel like this um, Bucks Fizz that you've just brought out, Dan, is haunted by Baraka. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's one of the best paws of my... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you I've know. actually never, okay. never seen or actually if, tasted anything so just, haunted by Baraka. Can I just make some, okay, a bit of advice off the back of that? If you're going to any Christmas parties this season and you're yeah. like, what, shall I, what bottle shall I take? Is it... Is it going to be, you know, mm. a bottle of Kylie um, white wine or a bottle of Gary Barlow red wine? Uh, Very good. No call back to last year. If you're in Sainsbury's and you see the Clementine Bucks fitters, do be warned. 
It tastes it's like Barocca. Alcoholic yeah. Barocca. Yeah. Clementine makes it taste like shit. <laughs> I think that's a good reading, yeah. And yeah. this is the Taste the Difference version as well. Terrible. Not, it doesn't taste like shit. It's just... Um, it's just, it's not very good, is it? Yeah. Right, so... Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, quite good. That's Ooh. really good. That's not bad, is it? First go eggnog. Chef go Archie eggnog. has made us... <laughs> well, eggnog. Mm. I've never had eggnog. I don't know anybody who has had eggnog. My only experience with eggnog is, and I think this is right, um, Homer used to drink a lot of eggnog come Christmas on The Simpsons. And it was always from, um, from uh, car cartons, cardboard cartons from the fridge, I think. And it looked fucking delicious every time. You know, like cartoon yeah. food and drink mm. often mm. does. Mm. And every time uh, Christmas mm. rolls around, mm. I always think of eggnog. And I've never once had it or made it, and so I thought I'd make it. Did you even know what was in it before today? No. I knew it was a, cu a type of custard. It's delicious. An alcoholic custard. It's like yeah. a boozy, thin custard, as far as I can tell. My Thank grandma you. actually used to make it. Really? They call it Iro Cognac in Polish, and mm. um, she used to put... Um, Calling it white spirit is wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it's this like Polish spirit that's like 98% proof. Fuck and you like when No, it isn't 98%. It is, it's 98 Yeah, no, it's well, it's <laughs> it's not far off. It's 2% off. <laughs> but like, honestly, you're not allowed to bring it over. You're not allowed to bring it back from Poland. Like, mm. you try and take that on a plane. It might explode. <laughs> honestly, you can't take it through. They'll be like, no, it's too high. Speaking of planes. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of spirits. Yeah. <laughs> That's very, very good. Is that, was that a, a headless horseman? A horse yeah, that was a headless a horseman. I could tell it was headless. Just the way, just <laughs> the... Tell it was from headless. the cadence, yeah. You know? so, so, yeah. Well, I've got an actual ghost story. Yeah. Uh -oh. Oh. I'm glad I'm glad that we've got this. And please cut please cut it out. <laughs> if it's like really, really boring and long, which it is. It's also got nothing to do with Christmas, but it's my only <laughs> <laughs> But it's a real life one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's my only supernatural interaction, I think. There's been a couple, but they were explainable. This, not explainable. Okay. I'm gripped. Okay. <laughs> so I mean I don't know why you're gripped. I think I've told you this about quite. <laughs> Okay, so, <laughs> I was, <laughs> so the scene is, have you got, have you got, uh, genuinely, have you got a heart going diddle diddle in Um, oh, it took me a while. Okay, uh... don't worry. Um, so, <laughs> I was at my grand, my northern grandma's, my nana's, in, um, on the outskirts of Sheffield. That's, rain is correct, I suppose. <laughs> um, in a little village outside of Sheffield, actually called Hope. It's a nice name for a village, isn't it? It is, yeah. although I feel like... Uh, it might be ironic. <laughs> there is no God here. <laughs> and me and my brother, so we, we were much, much younger, so, so me and my brother were two years apart, so I think I was maybe, I'm going to say nine, and he was seven. And we were outside um, playing the snail game, you know. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> What's the snail game? Well, if it rains, you go outside and then you pick up as many snails as you can and put them on, all over your body. So, why did, and, uh, wait, wait, why did you think I'd know what that meant? I was saying, that's clearly how you and your brother have made up. And we were outside in the little garden bit, and she lived at the foot, foothills of the, the Pennines, the Peak District. Mm -hmm. And Already spooky. We looked up um, into the sky for whatever reason, and we must have noticed something. And what we noticed was a World War II looking bomber plane, right? flying very, very low, like worryingly low, right? And we were really, really young, but we still noticed this as something out of the ordinary. It was like an odd thing to see. And it, it went over. My memory is that it was silent, which again was odd, but I don't know if that's a, you know, memory. Well, it's all memory, isn't it? But that's like a memory that didn't happen. Well, did any of it happen? Mm. But, and um, so anyway, it, it flew over and it, it went behind the hills, mm. either Win or Loose Hill. And... Um, we, we thought it was odd, but we weren't completely freaked out by it because it was just an unusually low plane. Went back inside and my mum had been at the hairdressers, which was up the road, and she came back, and this is a very important part of the story because this is corroboration, I feel. Mm -hmm. We both were like, did you see that plane? Mm -hmm. What was up with that plane? 
And she'd seen it when she was coming back from the hairdresser. She was like, yeah, there's like an unusually low, like a, like a B-52 or something, like a mm-hmm. large World War II bomber plane. And so we'd both seen the same plane. And we, we both noticed it. We both said it because it was uh, of note. Oh, that's so strange. And then the next day, my mum went into town for another reason, to, to the grocery shop or something. She was like, oh, the weirdest thing happened. Like, is there a, was there an air show or something like that? Um, and the, the person in the shop was like, oh, the ghost plane. No. Yeah. They did it. <laughs> they fucking did. And so my mum... Yeah. <laughs> And so my mum was like, what do you mean the ghost plane? Tell me about the ghost plane. Right, the ghost plane is, in that, it's been seen numerous, numerous, numerous times. There's lots of, my mum's a journalist, so she had, um, at the time, she had the, I don't even know, it was the internet, obviously, but it was the Associated Press Bank of whatever clips, I don't know what you call it. And she was looking it up there. But the person in the shop was saying that it gets seen a lot, this plane, and it gets, it's, it's seen and it's so low, people are worried about it and quite often call emergency services. And there's one or two occasions where all the emergency services in the area have been scrambled, right, to go to the ghost plane and nothing has ever been found. But it, there was a plane that was taking GIs back from northern France that crashed in the hills. Fuck off! <laughs> ghost plane. It's a ghost plane, <laughs> and I saw the ghost plane. <laughs> so that's my ghost story. That's yeah. so good, Archie. Very good. Wait, well, I want to know more about the ghost plane. I don't. I don't have this. many more facts, but but it is a thing. If you look it up, ghost plane, Derbyshire, Pennines, whatever. Yeah. There was a plane that crashed with a load of GIs in it, in that region. And then loads and of people, including seen. you, your brother, and independently, yeah. your adult mum, who's My not nine years mother. old, and yeah. therefore a bit more... Mm. Sorry, uncontrollable sound effect situation. Fancy <laughs> 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 the Just firing shots. Anyway, oh so it's not very God. Christmassy, but... No, but come it on. It is ghostly. No, all yeah. ghosts are Christmassy. I think it's that's what natural. we just... Haven't mm. we decided today all great yeah. ghosts are Christmassy that... If you have a ghost, an unseasonal ghost in, say, high summer, yeah, when it's warm out, they're just yeah. lost. They're just mm. waiting for Christmas, really, which is the time they really want to come and share all of their secrets with you. Well, what we think, me and Liv, <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving up there. <laughs> when me and Liv were watching this, this stupid programme that was about ghost stories the other day, and they were talking about this thing called time slips. Yeah. Ooh. Which is a... a Sounds know, legit. I enjoyed it, this. It's a thing... And apparently there's a street in Liverpool where this has happened on numerous occasions. You'll be walking around and um, suddenly you'll see something or you'll suddenly be in a different era. So I reckon... It's like good nights. Like Nicholas Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Look, I mean, Kasha and I, as historians, like, isn't that your dream? Really? What, to be Nicholas Lindhurst and be, like, shagging two women (laughs) from different eras? I mean, you said it, but yeah. No, to be... I mean, that's all of our dream. To have access to time slips where you you could just step for a moment into another age. Yeah, yeah. It would be good. Assuming you could get out again, which I know Nicholas Lindhurst couldn't. I'm pretty sure I've seen a documentary about this. (laughs) It's called called Time Cop. And it stars Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> and boy, well, I mean, you guys have you guys have summarised it. Is know. it a Christmas movie? Basically, right, it's great to be able to travel through time when you are the muscles from Brussels, but don't get stuck there. Because you, you may not have access to fries and mayo. Exactly. Um, <laughs> two things that all Belgians want to talk um, about. I asked ChatGPT to uh, give us a little summary there of, um, of Archie's wonderful story. It's come up with this limerick. (coughs) (laughs) In the Pennines, a ghost plane takes flight through Derbyshire's hills in the eerie night. With a spectral hum, it soars through the plum. (laughs) A phantom above an ethereal sight. Oh, wow, that's really good. I feel like like it really missed out the scariest part of that story, though, which was the snail game. I know. (laughs) Took out the snails and added... 
a plum. Oh, yeah. well, that's okay. Plums are terrifying. Well, yeah, 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 I feel like it really messed yeah. up with the plum. I, I think it was struggling to rhyme with hum. That's <laughs> the only other word. That Isn't that right, Mum? <laughs> um, well, so if you look in front of you, um, you have another mysterious... Oh, no, I drank mine. I drank mine. Oh, yeah. That's okay. You've got another mysterious visitor haunting us from the past. You just drunk um, a ghost, guys. <laughs> You weren't supposed to drink. You weren't supposed to drink it. Fuck's sake! Um, any guesses on what spectral glass this was from last year's leftover it views? Very similar to the last. To the um, yeah, I think it's some kind of like. I think it's a Northern Monk. Mm. Oh I, yeah, I think. You Remember might them? Yeah. But what's the flavour? It's like. Mm. Tell me Mid-pie. what's your flavour. Woo! Ginger. Woo! Oh my goodness! <laughs> what's your flavour? Could actually be a spooky song, couldn't it? Mm. Tell me what's your flavour. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> It does if you do ghost noises in it. the ghost hands. Yeah, the ghost hands. Which the listeners can't see. Which are a bit, a bit like kind of despy hands. I'm going to put my, my hood up. Does that make it spookier? Tell me what's your favourite. <laughs> it's definitely spooky. It's like a meeting of Christmas and ghosts. Perfectly encapsulated in that I mean, this, this is, if I may, a brown ale. Oh, he's on oh, the money. Oh, he's good. He's on the money. <laughs> It's not his first rodeo. But, but it's I sweet in the same way. Yeah, it's got a sweetness. It's got, it's got some sort of spicing. <laughs> is it a mince pie brown ale? Oh, that's a good Any show. other guesses? Uh, I'm going to go for ginger gingerbread. Mm, just because it's... Oh, that's clever. Yeah, yes. it's just unrelated, but... Okay. No, gingerbread's Christmassy. No, no it's, it's, it's Christmassy, but it doesn't taste like gingerbread, but oh. they just call it gingerbread. Okay. Sure. Of, I'm this do is Brussels a, sprouts brown ale. Yeah. <laughs> going to do a bigger bit of a clue. There is a Christmas character on the bottle. Which Christmas character is on the bottle? Scrooge. No. Uh, Re- Rudolph. It's deer. F- it's venison beer. You're so on the money, Dan. No, I'm got, not. It's Blitzer. <laughs> oh, I don't recognise that. This was the. I don't know who bought the ruby Christmas ale from Black Sheep Brewery called Blitzen at four percent. Um, it's not literally supposed to taste of venison. Is no, it? <laughs> that was, no, that was a bridge that was too over, far, overstretching the mark. Quite an attractive. It's, it's, it's actually it's passable. It doesn't no, taste. It's, it's like they haven't put too many cloves in it or tried too hard to make it Christmassy. It's I think. too sweet though. But you know, basically, in an A to B test with the um, <laughs> uh, brew, brew dog marshmallow one, yeah. none of us would be any the oh, wiser. Oh god, was the brew dog one supposed to have marshmallow? Chocolate and marshmallow. marshmallow. That's yeah. so cursed. Oh, it Damn is. It. Um, anyway. In the spirit of Christmas and haunting and all of the things that we've discussed today. Whatever they they were. Plums. Um, Thank you so much for joining us um, on this festive edition of Cursed Objects. We hope you have a really, really lovely Christmas, no matter what you're doing. And um, thanks so much for listening to us and supporting us. It's crazy how much we've grown as a podcast this year. And like, thanks so much for joining us. And also thank you so much to Archie and Nick for basically supporting Dan and I through it as well. Um, Yeah, love you lots. Love you lots, guys. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Thanks for having us. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Got my Ho, ho, ho. Santa. Santa.